You're listening to STS Podcast. We pray that this message will encourage you and give you hope throughout this week. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I hope you guys are already having a great start of your summer. And uh, how many of you are going to be here for VBS this week? All right. It's going to be a great, great time. And how many of you are going to be going on the missions trip? We got folks going on the missions trip as far as, yeah, cool, awesome. As far as Guatemala, South Dakota, and I got a lot going on this summer, but I am so excited to see you guys this morning. I have to tell you this, because I'm not a professional speaker, this is just, if you didn't know this about me, I'll tell you this, I get nervous every time I speak. I get butterflies, I, and I've been in student ministry a long time, but I always get a little nervous. So I just want you to know that. I, I want you to know that I have no, I've, I've not arrived as far as, as a speaker and uh, I always get a little nervous, but you guys are my friends, and so I, I'm not worried about that. But here's the thing I want to start off and just kind of remind you, this, this month we're talking about being a disciple and some elements of that, and um, last week, if you were here, uh, Ryan did a really good job as far as looking in John chapter 1 and looking at Jesus calling Philip to follow him and Philip going and finding Nathaniel. And we talked about following Christ, being excited about that, learning from him and going and telling others. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things as far as as a disciple. Now, I want to tell you this also about me. I did not grow up in a youth group like this. And so I did not, I came to know the Lord when I was young, like 10 years old, but I was not discipled uh, in a youth group. Um, my mom and dad really, you know, my, we lived across the street from the church, but my dad and mom were really not instilling a lot in me. A lot of what I was learning was on my own. And it was, a, it was somebody in high school, my best friend in high school, my junior year, he came back from a trip to Haiti. And he was so excited about his trip to Haiti, and he, he came in one day and said in a classroom, he said, Mark, you and I talk about knowing Christ. We need to get serious about our faith. Do you have a study Bible? I didn't have a study Bible. I just had a regular Bible. And he said, we need to kind of study this together. And so the two of us, not really knowing what we were doing other than reading Scripture together, that's how, we kinda, how I kind of got started as far as really growing in my faith and learning about the Lord. So I just want you to know that I, I did not grow up having it all together, being a disciple of the Lord. Really didn't start um, sharing my faith until late in high school. Um, and I became a youth pastor at 25. And so I, I did not grow up uh, in a, a church with children's ministry, a student ministry. And so I was kind of coming to the party a little bit late. But here's the thing I want to tell you. I heard, heard a story uh, last night that really was exciting to me, um, and it's about two guys, two brothers in India who are, grew up in India, came to know Christ, and they live in a place called, I think it's Bahir. I could be saying that wrong. We do have a guy in the house today who's been to India, and that's Daniel. Anybody else ever been to India? Anybody other than Daniel? Okay, cool. Uh, Bahir is in the northeast of India. And um, these brothers, one was a chicken farmer, one was a, a teacher. And the area that they lived in was there were 100 million people living in this area, and it's the size of Tennessee. A hundred million. Do you know how many people are in Tennessee right now, the population? Six million, approximately. 
A hundred million people in this area the size of Tennessee, and the majority of them are Hindu, okay? Believe in thousands of gods, that type thing. Well, these two brothers had a heart for the Lord, and they wanted to share Christ with those around them. And they were doing that for several years, but they were not seeing a lot of fruit. And they were real discouraged. And one day they were talking to some folks about sharing their faith. And somebody suggested to them, hey, why don't you go to a village where there's absolutely no Christians in it, which was pretty much the, the case for their surroundings. But what you ought to do is this. Just go into a village and the first person you see, say, we are here in the name of Jesus and we would like to pray for you. That's all you need to say. And they were kind of like, what? I mean, we've tried everything. That sounds a little bit kind of hokey. But they went ahead and followed that advice and they went into a village and a man was coming out from that village and they went, they started saying, we're here in the name of the Lord or we're here in the name of Jesus, and before they could get to the second part of how can we pray for you, the man goes, well, I've heard a little bit about Jesus. Can you tell me more? And they kind of looked at each other like, what? And they said, are you serious? He said, yeah. In fact, let me me go get some of my family and friends, and would you tell us more about Jesus? And they were like, yeah. And so they got together with about 20-something people in a home and started talking about Jesus, started sharing the scriptures with them. And about two or three weeks later, 25 people came to know Christ. And they were so excited. But here's the thing. Those brothers realized that their job wasn't over. Their job was not just to share Jesus Christ, but they were also called to minister to these people and disciple these people as best they could. And so they told the people that had come to know the Lord, listen, we want you to be able to do what we do. So we want to teach you how to do that. And so they taught them how to do that. Three years later, now this story happened in 2010. In 2013, after those brothers spent time with those 20-something people, teaching them, helping them grow in the Lord, three years later, 350 churches had started in that area in 350 villages. And when they were asked about, when they were asked about how did this happen, all they could say was, all we can tell you is God. God is the one that did all of this. We can't really explain all of it. But here's the thing that they did understand. They understood that it was more than just sharing their faith and, yes, excited to see people come to know Christ, But what they were called to is to help these people grow so that they would do the same thing. A disciple is someone, and we've talked about this, who follows Christ and will always be a disciple. But we are called to not just follow Jesus, have a relationship with him, but we are called, and the way the Lord works in our lives is he equips us, he gives us talents, so that we will not only share our faith, but we will help other people be disciples. That's what we're called to. But again, I tell you right right up front, I didn't really understand a lot of that when I was in school. And that really didn't start happening in my life until I was in my 20s. So I just want you to know, I'm not saying, hey man, if you hadn't discipled a bunch of people right now, you're, you know, I'm not saying that. But what I want you to do is if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. Because I want you to look at a few things, we're going to look at a few things this morning. 
And as you're turning there, I want you to think about this. The story that I just told you about these brothers in India, it would be, it would be you know, if I were to tell you, man, they put it out on social media about what they were doing and how they were doing it, and it was on Twitter, and it was on Instagram, and it was on... All, no, none of that. They don't really have... I shouldn't say they don't have any technology, but that's not how they did it. One of the things that they realized apart from the technology and stuff like that that we have access to on a daily basis, these men understood what God did in those villages. It was by relying, and they were relying, on the power of God through the Spirit of God and the Word of God at work. That's what they were relying on. Ultimately, they were relying on the Lord. They were being obedient, but they ultimately were relying on the Lord. And so if you look in Luke chapter 5, We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 11. I'm going to read this, and you probably have heard this story, but I'll go ahead and read it, and we'll talk about it. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenaret, and he saw two boats. Talking about Jesus. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, listen to this, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Most of you have heard that story of this amazing event that happened. And what I want to do is I want to share with you four things. And if you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. Uh, We're going to move kind of fast. But what I want to do is I want to give you, I want to encourage you with four things to think about that disciples, a disciple is called to, that he's called to. The first thing is disciple or disciple is called to total abandonment for the glory of Christ. Total abandonment, abandoning the desires of your heart in the sense of, you know what, Lord? I'm going to follow you and do what you call me to do, even though I like doing these other things, and there's nothing wrong with these other things, but I'm totally abandoning my life. I'm saying, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Abandonment to the Lord for the glory of Christ. These guys were professional fishermen. They had it all together when it came to figuring out how to fish. They had been working all night, no catch. Jesus tells them to put down the net. They do, and they have this incredible catch. 
Peter falls at Jesus' knees and says, Get away from me, Lord. He understood what was taking place. These men, afterwards, they left everything. Now, I'm not saying they never went back to doing any fishing and having a good time doing any. I'm not saying that. But they left everything to follow Jesus. They left behind their comfort. They left behind their possessions. And here's the other thing that's very interesting. Is they had no idea where they were going. No idea. No idea where they were going. And can you imagine how scary that might have been? All they knew, they had no idea where they were going, but they just knew who they were going to be with. And that changes everything a lot of times. Some of you have gone on trips with people, and maybe you didn't know every place that you were going to be. Maybe that's not you. But maybe there was going to be a surprise element. But because of who you were with, you trusted them. And you had a great time with them. And you were willing to go on this trip. These guys knew Jesus. They loved him. And he said, follow me. And what did he say? Follow me. And I will what? Make you what? Fishers of men. Make you fishers of men. We don't always know what Jesus is going to call us to. A lot of you guys don't know what you're going to be doing in co- for college. You're not even thinking about it for some of you. Uh, some of you are right there getting ready to go. You're still trying to figure out what you're going to major in. But you don't know. You have some ideas of what you would like to do, but you don't know what Jesus may call you to. When I was, I was in sports medicine for three years, Working with professional athletes, college athletes, high school athletes. Loved it. That's what I wanted to do. That was my dream job. And while I was working, I would have patients that would come in that were Christians, and I'd get a chance to talk to them about the Lord, pray with them, encourage them. And one day, a lady who had been a patient of mine, I think she was a tennis player, And she had been coming for quite a while, and we talked a lot about the things of the Lord. And she said to me one day, she brought me two books, and this is one of them. I've had it for almost 27 years. And she wrote this book, and it was a book talking about the new age and what's going on in schools and in churches and in in people's lives and how that was impacting people. And she wrote this for me inside the book, two years before I became a youth pastor. So keep that in mind. She says, Mark, you can touch so many lives in your ministry at your church. I was volunteering in a church uh, with a buddy of mine that was a youth pastor. You can touch so many lives in your ministry at your church and your job. I hope these books will be of help for, for our young people who are looking and searching for answers. I've kept that in my, back in my little library in my house because it reminds me of Gail who saw something in me. I, I don't know that she saw that I'd be a youth pastor one day, but she, she and I were able to talk about the things of the Lord, and she heard my heart, and she had an idea, maybe, that what I was doing in ministry was possibly what the Lord would call me to. We had talked about that a little bit, but two years later, I became a youth pastor, and I'll be honest with you, when I quit working in sports medicine, I walked out and left it behind, literally. Walked out, 
I don't encourage you to ever do this in a job, but I literally said, that's it, I'm done. After three, three and a half years, I was miserable. And the reason why I was miserable, I really believe, was I wasn't listening and willing to do what God was calling me to do. But when I left and really didn't know what I was going to do, and I had just been married. I was only married not even six months. You can imagine how Monica probably was like, you did what? You did what? You just left? Who did I marry? This guy just quit. But I really, I didn't know. And I had a, I had a job where I was at working in an arcade. I was working in a drugstore. I was doing anything I could to find to make money. We were eating pork and beans. You know, it was kind of like, oh, man, what a winner I am, right? But the thing is, is that God had a plan. And the plan was I was going to be in student ministry. But here's the thing. These guys left everything behind. They left their friends, they left their family, they left their possessions to follow Christ. And in Luke 9, 23, Jesus talks about if you're going to follow him, you've got to take up your cross and follow him. And that is like today, in our world today, is take up your electric chair and follow me. A death instrument. Putting yourself to death, your selfish desires to death, and following Christ. And it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want you to enjoy the things you have and enjoy the things that you do. But disciples are called to total abandonment. The second thing is this, disciples, the second thing is this, disciples are called to humble dependence on the grace of Jesus. Look at when Peter, the professional fisherman, says, Lord, we've been doing this all night, we know what we're doing, basically is what he was saying, and Jesus provides this miraculous catch. What does Peter say? Basically, get away from me, Lord, I'm not a worthy man. If you remember in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah has a vision of the Lord in his holiness, he cries out, woe is me. He realizes he's a sinner in the presence of a holy God. Peter's response is really, in all honesty, not a bad response. Because he was full of doubt. And Jesus shows him who's in charge. But does Jesus jump all over him? Does Jesus say, get out of the boat and just go back home? Don't ever show your face around here. I'm so disappointed in you, Peter. You've been around me for so long. No. What does Jesus say? Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Jesus says, don't be afraid and cause him to follow him. And I want to tell you this, is that as somebody who follows Christ, you're not going to get it right all the time. You're not. You're going to do things, say things, act in ways that are not pleasing to the Lord. The wonderful thing is, and you're looking at the chief of that, daily, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. I said this, I acted this way, I thought this, please forgive me. And I can be a real jerk. Ask those who work around me. Ask my family. 
Ask my friends. But Peter, in this moment of doubt, get away from me, Lord. Jesus doesn't say, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. You're such a failure. You're no longer my disciple. You're no longer somebody who's worthy to be around me. He says, don't be afraid. And that's what Jesus says to us. When we go to him and ask him to forgive us, he forgives us. When we're praying and saying, Lord, what should I do? He's there saying, don't be afraid. Follow me. I'm going to be with you. And it may be very difficult what he's going to call you to do. But the thing that I want to help you understand is, is that, and what Peter ultimately understood is, ultimately we need to depend on the Lord. We need to say, Lord, this is what I want to do, and this is what I know, but ultimately I want to do what you want me to do. And I'm willing to follow you, even though I don't even know what that looks like right now. The third thing is this. Disciples are called to the urgent obedience of the mission of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew 28 told his disciples to go and make disciples. To go and make disciples. In verse 10 when he tells Peter, don't be afraid, and then he goes on and says, you're going to be catching men. That was the mission that Jesus had for Peter. Was to go and share the gospel. That's what he's called us to do. Is to share the gospel. To be on a mission for him. And that looks different for all of us. I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that gift. But I have a desire to tell people about the Lord. Do I share the Lord with people on a daily basis? No, I don't. And how I share the Lord with people might look different than what Daniel or what Ryan or others in this how, how it looks. But we would be sharing probably the same message, I would believe. And so you have relationships. You have people that you know, that you spend time with, that's in schools and your activities and family and all of these type things. And being a disciple of Christ doesn't mean that you always are sharing the gospel. You might be discipling somebody. You might be serving. Some of you are going to be serving this week in VBS. And you're going to have an opportunity to encourage one another. And love these kids that we're going to be serving. But the truth is, the mercy of Jesus, the fact that he forgives us, that he loves us, that he gives us eternal life, should encourage us to be on a mission for Christ. Should be on a mission a heart's desire of saying, Lord, I don't know how necessarily, or I don't have it all together, but help me. Give me an opportunity. One of the things that I do, I try to do weekly, is pray this. Lord, give me an opportunity to tell somebody about you today. That's all. That's all I say when it comes to that. And there are times I'm looking, and there are other times I'm not. The other day I had an opportunity to do that. I picked a man up that was homeless. That was standing in the middle of the street. And I've actually picked him up before. And I've shared that with some of you. Picked him up several months ago. And typically what I do is I take him to eat. And have a meal with him. 
And as I sat with this man, his name's Reginald, I just talked to him about the Lord. Very natural, just kind of, hey, tell me what you think. Let me tell you a little bit about what I know about the Lord. And the thing that I wanted to encourage this man is the fact that he's made in God's image and that the Lord loves him despite his circumstances. That he's not a piece of trash and that Jesus died for him. And he can know him if he doesn't know him as his Savior. Now, this man was telling me, I know the Lord. I, I love him. And I believe him. It didn't change his circumstances, though. He's still homeless. But the thing that I want to encourage you is the fact that, unfortunately, today, in our churches, there's a thought of, well, I come to know the Lord, I'll be a disciple, and I'll just grow in my relationship with him. And that's good. But a lot of times in churches today, it's kind of a Christianity, a spectator sport. I'll just sit off to the side and let everybody else do this. I'll let the youth guys do it. I'll let the worship people do it. I'll, you know, I'll let the preacher tell people about Jesus. I'll bring them to church. And that's good that you have that desire. But Jesus has called you into the ball game. He's called you off the sidelines into the game. Because guess what? Every one of you in here have gifts. Every one of you. If you don't have, if you say, oh, Mark, you don't know. I don't think I have any. Yes, you do. Maybe you've not used them. Maybe you're still trying to figure them out. But God has given you an ability in some form or fashion. And he gives you those gifts, not so you will keep them to yourself, but so that you'll use them for his honor and glory. But the thing that I want to encourage you and think about is that being a disciple of Jesus is linked to, it's not separate from, but linked to, together, of discipling others. Discipling others. And you might say, I don't know how to do that. I'm not very good at sharing my faith. And that's okay, that's honest, that's fine to, to do that and say that. It's even okay for you to say, I don't even have a desire to do that right now. You know what? That's being honest. But I'll tell you this, as honest as you are in, in acknowledging that, what I would encourage you is, as you're talking to the Lord about that, and saying, Lord, you know, I really, I really don't know how to do this, and I don't really desire to do this. I'm scared. I, you know, whatever. But give me that desire. Give me that desire. Because I know that that's what you desire for me to do, is to make you known. Give it to me if I don't have it. And I promise you this, if you pray that on a consistent basis, you will see that you will have that desire. Jesus will answer that prayer, I promise you. And at the same time, he will give you people in your life who will help you. He will. That's who he is. That's his desire. There have been people who have known the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years and have never hardly ever talked about the Lord to people. And I'm not sitting in judgment. I'm not. But that's sad because I think about, now I have a friend of mine who's a great teacher and he got put out with the church. He got mad at some people at the church and he quit going to church. And what's sad to me is to know that this guy has a gift that he's not been using, that God has given him. And it could be 
for the body, for the people in the church. And he's not, he's not used it. And it's sad. But how are we doing? How are we doing? How am I doing? As far as when it comes to all that, I'll be honest with you, not very good. I get, I'm so easily distracted, you guys. I'm so easily distracted and focused on so many other things. I'm just being honest. I wish I could say I had it all together. I don't. I don't. And there are a lot of times I feel like I shouldn't even be doing what I'm doing. I'm just being honest. I hope people will be honest when they talk about things, about the things of the Lord. But at the same time, I know what God's called me to do. And I've got people who encourage me and lift me up, pray for me. And the Lord gives me those desires to do those things. But the thing that I have to remember is what God has called me to do. And lastly, and we're going to be done. Fourth thing. Disciples are called to be to the confident trust in Christ and His authority. It's hard to follow somebody that you don't trust. Right? It's hard to be around people that you don't trust. It's hard to follow somebody that you don't trust. Jesus is trustworthy. He's worthy of our trust. He never lies. Everything that he says is truth. And these fishermen, these guys have been fishing all night, no fish. Jesus gives them a command, and the fish fill the net. And what they realize is that Jesus is, has authority over all things. And that he's worthy. And that's why when Peter responded the way he did, he responded the way he did because what he did was he doubted. He doubted the Lord. And there have been times in my life when I've doubted the Lord, doubted his plan for me. But Jesus doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say, forget you. You've doubted me now uh, many times. He says, don't be afraid. Follow me. Listen to me. And here's the last thing in this as far as disciples who are called to the confident trust and, and authority of Christ is this. Jesus, not you, Jesus is the one that's going to draw people to himself. When you share the gospel, it's the gospel that does the work. It's God who does the work, not you. You can screw it up so badly. And I've been around people who've been nervous telling people about Jesus. And it's, you know, they've been awkward. They're kind of like, oh, well, let me, you know, and you're kind of like, well, that's not how we talked about doing this. And guess what? As badly as they shared it, people listened and responded. Not because of them, but because of who Jesus is. The power is in the gospel. You share the gospel, step back and watch what God will do. See what he will do. The power is in the gospel. It has the power to save. Speak it if you believe it. 
If you believe the gospel, speak it. Tell others about it. Because that's what you do in the things that you believe and you enjoy and you like is you speak it, you talk about it. If you believe that Jesus can save, tell people what Jesus has done for you and what he can do for them. Not make them better in, the, in their circumstances. Not give them more money. Not have a super incredible car. That's not the gospel. But tell them about Jesus. The last thing I'm going to close with is this, is that Peter, in Acts chapter 2, the guy who says, get away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. Guess what? In Acts chapter 2, check this out. You don't have to turn there, but I will. Acts chapter 2, this same dude, the fisherman, ordinary guy, Lord, get away from me. I'm not worthy. Jesus saying, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Peter, this is after Pentecost. Peter's preaching. And it talks about, as he preached, it says, those who received his word, this is in verse 44, were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Peter Trusting in the Lord, being obedient to do what he had been called to do, having humble dependence on the Lord, trusting him, having confidence in him and his authority, abandoning his life for the, for the sake of Christ. This guy who was in the boat earlier and says, Get a, Lord, we've been working all night. We know what we're doing. Okay, we'll go ahead and do it. Ordinary fisherman. God doing some extraordinary things through him. That doesn't mean that we're going to have 3,000 people come to know Christ. But all I'm saying is this, is that if you will have a heart's desire and say, Lord, use me. I'm willing. I trust you. Here I am. You're going to be amazed at what God will do in you and through you. We love you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. You can check out other messages of this and other series at stsatlanta.org slash podcast. Have a blessed day and hope to see you soon.